From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome to a special Super Bowl episode of the Frosty Podcast. We are joining you from Radio Row in Miami, Florida, as part of our Frosty Live Tour. Welcome to the podcast. As always, your co-host Tony Perenni. Derek, what's going on? It's kind of been a uh, kind of been a rough week here, kind of depressing, and uh, I'm I'm starting to get even more depressed here, knowing that you know there's only one football game left, uh, and then we have a long off season of talking about other stories. Well, I'll tell you, there's only one game left, but it's the biggest game of the year. And so I need you to turn that excitement up to 11. You're right. You're right. Let me pick it back up for one more game. And then I'll let the depression set in. <laughs> Next Sunday, you could be depressed. <laughs> yeah, and I will be. But but we have we have XFL football, Derek. Yeah, we do. Have you picked your team yet? I have. I'm going to be following the New York Guardians. Probably going to get exiled from my family in Philadelphia for picking a New York team. But, uh, you know, the helmets, the logos, the the uniforms, I think they have a pretty solid team there. Matt McGloin at quarterback. I'm going with the Guardians. How about you? I'm going Battlehawks. Uh, from the from the start when they unveiled the, the unis, I was like, man, they're actually the team name. I was like, this is my team. Uh, so we'll see how they go. I, I honestly haven't been keeping up too, too much about what's going on with the team themselves. So I am taking just the worst approach of picking a team and going off of name and uniform. Uh, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited for it though. I think we, we should have a nice little, you know, fill in for the fact the NFL is gone. It's just going to be a question of what is that? that football quality. Yeah. I think it's going to make some, make for some good podcast content down the line because they're going to be doing a lot of different, different things. The NFL isn't doing with the rules. So it'll be interesting to see those play out and we'll be able to come on here and break those down to see, you know, do they work? Do they not? Are they trying too hard? Um, I, I think some of them might actually be some pretty ideas. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but it is nice to have something in there to fill that void in the off season. So, uh, Excited about that, but uh, we have we have even bigger game first, Eric. Yes, we do. Uh, before we get to that, Tony, we got to talk about I think the big news this past week here, uh, and that is the passing of Kobe Bryant, and you know the impact that he had on basketball and the sports world overall. Uh, just you know, shocking with him just you know just talking about him in a celebratory way on Saturday night with you know LeBron passing him on the the point scoring list and really reflecting on the on the career Kobe had as well as the career LeBron had you know there's a good friendship there and it was a very celebratory night and then the next morning you know I see on my phone you know an ESPN alert something about Kobe and I'm just like oh yeah it's about last night and kind of dismissed it and then later realized you know what had happened that there was the the helicopter crash and obviously a lot of news was was going around a lot of rumors that proved not to be true and, and some that proved to be true but certainly a, a tragic day for for the victims and their families um, and obviously Kobe Bryant and his daughter uh, Gianna leading the um, probably the notability or the notoriety I guess of those of those victims um, and watching the the NBA and the sports world as a whole you know, pay tribute to who Kobe Bryant was as a competitor on the court 
Uh, yeah, I was watching a New Jersey Devils Nashville Predators hockey game, and they took the 24 second moment of silence. So obviously transcending far past just the game of basketball. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing some work around the house Sunday afternoon and kept hearing my phone buzzing over on the counter and finally got around over to uh, picking it up and I, I started scrolling through the notifications. I, I dropped my phone at first when I read it. Like, I couldn't believe what I was writing, or what I was reading. Um, it's just surreal. And then as I started reading through, you know, all the stories and as more news started coming out and hearing that his daughter was in there too, I mean, I, that wrecked me. I, I, I could not have felt worse at that point, you know, to lose a legend like that and then to lose uh, his 13 year old daughter as well, who, uh, you know, didn't really have it, have a chance to, to go earn her own name out there in the world. But she was a, uh, she was definitely following in his shoes there and they definitely had a great bond and um, you know, just got a feel for all the other people that were involved in that crash as well. Um, they had obviously haven't gotten the uh, media attention that Kobe and Gianna have, but uh, this is just awful, awful news. Um, I had a very love hate relationship with Kobe <laughs> throughout most of my time being a Sixers fan, uh, mostly just because, you know, it was, it was that whole deal where he's just so, so freaking good that you couldn't beat him. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember going back into the, the NBA finals in uh, 2001, Sixers playing, uh, playing the Lakers. Um, and every time the Sixers would get close again, uh, Kobe, Shaq, Ori, Fisher, they would just go back to work and put them right back down. Like it was, it was, it was so hard to overcome Kobe. He was such an assassin with the way he played. He, he really was the closest thing to Jordan that we've seen. You know, everybody likes to compl- compare LeBron and Jordan. LeBron's LeBron does not play stylistically like Jordan did. Kobe does. Um, and it's just it's amazing to see the impact he had on the surrounding sports world. You see all the people coming out in all the different sports, um, the NHL uh football players out there uh, baker mayfield coming out saying you know he was he was my idol growing up it's how many people in different sports tried to pattern uh their drive and their attention to detail in their game after kobe because his his work ethic is legendary uh it's just a massive loss for the sports world something you never expected to see coming uh at 41 years old uh, especially that the timing of it right after LeBron passes was, it was, it was almost eerie, Derek. Yeah. You know, with Kobe being out of the game and, and it, you know, people like Kobe Jordan, like, you know, these guys are never fully out of the game. They're always, you know, seeking opinions of, you know, what's Kobe think about this, but you know, for him to really come back in, like you said, that timing is, is eerie that it was right after that big celebration night. Uh, and then, and then this happens, you know, and, uh, in total, three three girls, thirteen years of age, uh, dying in that in that crash is is pro is is I think of the most tragic piece of it. Uh, Kobe, obviously, again the the biggest name, the biggest celebrity of that group. Um, but yeah, just just a really sad, tragic event. Um, you know, I'm sure we're gonna get more and more details on the crash and, and all of that. And there's been some stuff coming out. Um, but at, yeah, at the end of the day. It's it's been an uh, interesting week to to watch the tributes all around the sports world and outside of the sports world, um, and and you know the impact that Kobe had on a lot of people has been has been really, I'll say a cool thing to watch. I I was never a big Kobe fan. Um, just I'm not a big basketball guy. 
Uh, I obviously recognize how great Kobe was as a player, um, but I, I don't think it hit me the same as it hit other people who did who did idolize him. But it, you know, still just shocking. Yeah, I thought the, the tribute that the Lakers did last night was really well done um, for an organization that I have not been a big fan of through most of my life. But I, I think you know the aura of the Lakers is unmistakable, and it's probably why people outside of LA don't organization that much but it was just it was really awesome to see that entire laker nation really unite uh with a, a week of being able to plan that they had the uh the violin come out and they, they played the tribute video of kobe if, if if people out there haven't seen uh, all of it i'm sure you can go find it on youtube it's definitely definitely worth a watch today of a couple minutes of your time uh lebron gave an impassioned from the heart speech uh which i thought was probably going to go down as one of his bigger defining moments in his career. Uh, but you, you could just tell, and I've, I've heard from uh, some of the analysts that have been talking about this this morning, you know, just looking back at last night, you know, it was just a somber atmosphere in that, in that arena, not, not a, not the usual raucous crowd that's going on in the Staples center for games. Uh, almost um, very depressed feeling in there. It's just unmistakable as how much, uh, Kobe touched the lives of the people in the LA area, their fans, the, the players that have followed him. Um, it's it's really really hard to see a player gone that soon, and it's uh, you know great great to see what the NBA is doing this with the All Star Game this year. They're going to have uh, Kobe's twenty four jersey number on one team and Gianna's number two jersey number on for the other team which i think is really a really good way to honor his legacy there uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to see him honored all year long because he was just that big of a athlete so um not really the way you want to kick off super bowl week it's kind of you know we were talking offline here it's kind of dominated the news cycle it's kind of made the build-up for the super bowl one of the uh least hyped super bowls we can remember but you know, when something this big happens, uh, you have you have to talk about it, and it's something that's gone on all week, and it's going to go on for most of the season too, because his legacy was just that big. Well, and one of those things to to kind of pivot back into football here, but but still kind of involve Kobe. So Tom Brady posts this kind of cryptic social media post where it's a photo of him and the tunnel of what appears to be Gillette stadium. And everybody's like, is he walking into or out of the tunnel? And you can't really tell based on the lighting. And so there's a lot of, of speculation going around that this is, you know, about him leaving or staying. And, and it's just this cryptic Tom Brady tweet folks in the Tom Brady camp saying, Oh, this isn't football related. And I saw today on ESPN that and I forgot about this when I saw the picture. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the same thing happened with Kobe Bryant, where he posts a picture of him in the tunnel. And there was a lot of speculation of is he walking into or out of as we're talking about him in retirement. And so it the likely scenario here is that it was kind of paying tribute to Kobe that Tom Brady posts a similar photo. Uh, but the problem is, is that Tom Brady put no caption on the photo and posted this picture on Thursday and hasn't said anything about it. So is he paying tribute to Kobe, but is he also sending his own message? He's not telling anybody, which I guess in a way kind of bothers me. Um, if you were paying tribute to Kobe, then come out and say that and don't make it about yourself. Uh, and if, if you are 
if this is something, then I feel like it fits right in with Tom Brady, with what Tom Brady's been doing with this whole is he leaving, is he staying thing. Yeah, Brady's really loving his moment here to be a free agent after after 20 years in the league. He finally gets his chance to choose his own team. There's a lot of speculation as to whether he would actually leave New England. Uh, I've been, for most of the year, I've been on on the camp of, I think there's a better chance of him leaving than the media is, is uh, leading on to. I, I think it's kind of weird the way it's it's been a non-story for most of the year up to this point i guess people just assume he's at, he's going back to new england um i, I think we, we've heard enough in the last couple of years to know that there's a little bit of dissension between uh brady and belichick there like they obviously uh love working together love winning the way that they do but there seems to be a big ego uh component to both of them where both of them feel like they could win without the other one and want a chance to prove that. Uh, I think that's playing in a little bit here. I think I think Brady feels disrespected over a number of years here because of the way he has taken pay cuts to help the organization and to put more talent around him. And then you see the, the caliber of the receivers they put in front of him last season with all the money he saved them. I, I, I would probably be pretty irritated too. So I don't know where you stand on it, Derek, but I, I think – there's a better chance of him leaving than people were letting on to. And there's a chance of that. I guess the question comes down to which, which situation is better. Uh, And one situation that keeps getting brought up there is the Miami situation, you know, a lot better weather and and whatnot. Um, But you know, one guy who doesn't really think he's going to Miami, uh, that's Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, who said he doesn't know why Brady would come to Miami. They're rebuilding, and Brady wants to win now. Um, so I don't know where Brady's going to go. Is he going to stay in, in New England? Is he going to leave? Honestly, to me, I, I don't I don't see that great landing spot. I know in, in a previous podcast, you and I talked about, is he going to the Chargers? Again, I, I think that does make the most sense, but I don't know. Actually, that was an offline conversation. Uh, yeah, you know, Discord but, conversation. Yeah, that was a Discord conversation. That was one we should have recorded. Should have. Uh, you know, but where is he going to go? The Chargers, if he's going to go somewhere, does make the most sense. But at the end of the day, I I, th- I think he stays. Um, but I, I don't think I'd be shocked either way. But definitely shocked that Miami Dolphins owner is just like no nah, we're we're good we we don't think he should come here yeah I'm uh I don't know a lot about Stephen Ross but I'm guessing he didn't make his money in sales because that is not the <laughs> sales pitch you want to throw out there when uh, the greatest quarterback of all time becomes a free agent no matter what age he's at um I, I can't see him going to Miami just because of the state that the Dolphins are in right now. Obviously, it would be a, a nice area for him and Giselle to go live for a couple of years. But I think that's a component that's going to be a big piece of this is, is the, the Giselle factor. Um, you know, there's obviously some areas out there that would be good fits that could just use a quarterback to come in for a couple of years and plug and play. You know, Indianapolis comes to mind. Uh, Chicago. The Bears comes comes to mind a little bit, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard for uh, 
Brady to convince his wife to go move to Indianapolis, Indiana, um, when uh, Los Angeles is an, is an option out there, or Miami is an option. Um, I've, I've long said the Chargers make the most sense. Uh, they're downright desperate at this point to build some sort of fan base out there because they are losing to the Rams uh, very badly out there. Nobody in L.A. has really embraced the Chargers. They can't even sell out their 30,000-seat soccer stadium that they're playing in for a couple of years. Uh, I, I think they should be making a full-court push to get him. And I, I think just with the allure of playing in Los Angeles, he's got lots of weapons around there. They, they could use another piece or two in the offensive line, um, but it's definitely not something that they couldn't repair. And, and their defense, when healthy, is pretty solid. They banged up pretty badly last year. But that, that has long been the only situation that really makes sense to me if he is going to leave. But I really think it's, it's Chargers or it's, it's Patriots at this point. Um, can't see him signing up for the rebuilding project that's going on in Miami right now at 40 plus years old. Here's the one part that's interesting to me, Tony, and that is the Carolina Panthers situation. That looks like a team to me that is a great quarterback away from making a real run. Maybe a couple other pieces in there. Now, obviously, Luke Keekley leaving puts a big hole in there that that wasn't present when I first had the Carolina Panthers feeling uh you know if you don't think that kyle allen's the guy or maybe you do but think hey let's bring tom brady in and you know teach him teach kyle allen what's going you know how to be an nfl quarterback and all that because i know he he's had cam newton but cam newton's had his own issues and i don't know if he's necessarily close enough to kyle allen's game to really be able to learn a lot from him uh, that was a situation if he's not going to go to the Chargers and he's not going to stay in New England was the other situation I thought might be a good fit for him. Yeah, the Panthers are interesting. They're going to need to decide what they want to be this year. Uh, you know, do, Are they going to be a contender or are they going to start ripping it down and rebuilding? They have a new head coach there, Matt Rule, from, who come, comes from Baylor, who I think is a really good hire for them. Um, but some of the moves that have already happened in this offseason suggest they're leaning a little more towards a rebuild than um, – and, and not all of them have been their decisions. So Luke Keekley walks away at 28 years old. That's the cornerstone of your defense. That's a huge loss that you weren't planning on losing there. Uh, Greg Olson, the tight end, they've already decided they're not bringing him back for next season. Um, and. He's in his upper 30s at this point and has been banged up a lot over the last couple of years. So uh, if they decided they want to plug Brady in there with a rookie head coach, I think they're going to need to retool a little bit on the defensive end to make sure they're in shape for that. I I think at this point they're probably going to lean a little more towards the rebuild, um, which probably means Cam's days in Carolina are numbered, as we've talked about in the past. I'm not sure the move I would have made there, but if, if they're really looking to fully rebuild, then you probably, there isn't any benefit to marching Cam Newton out there for another year. Um, so yeah, Carolina is an interesting fit. If they decide they want to go for it, then uh, they could be a decent option there for, uh, for Brady. I just, I'm not sure if uh, Raleigh, North Carolina has the same draw to him and his family that like Los Angeles would have. And so it comes down to what does Brady want out of all of this? 
Is it who's the best Super Bowl contender or is it, hey, we want to relocate our family one time and this is where we're going to live in retirement. And if I get one more year to play in that city, then great. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Right. And he's not really saying what his what his motivating factor is. If it's to win a championship, I think I think the Chargers are an option. But you can play with the one of, if not the best running back in the game in Christian McCaffrey. And if I'm Carolina, I make a recruiting package for Tom Brady because I think you can do the, we have enough core pieces on offense that we can, we are a Tom Brady away from being a dominant offense. Defense, obviously, big hole with Luke Keekley, but can you get somebody else uh, who is available at that linebacker spot to come in uh, maybe even from the Patriots. I think one or two of their guys are free agents right now too. So can you pull somebody in to give, you know, you see this in baseball, right? They spend a bunch of money to try to win a one, you know, one world series and then dismantle the team and rebuild. Obviously there's, there's a salary cap here in the NFL, so you can't just do that. But do they take one shot? We have Christian McCaffrey in his prime Let's do. Let's take one big Super Bowl run, and then if Tom Brady stays, fine. If he goes, fine, and we rebuild after that. It could be. That would, that would be really interesting to see him paired with offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who just came there with Matt Rule. Uh, Brady, Brady, and Brady could be a pretty lethal combination for a year or two. Joe Brady just went and won a national title with Joe Burrow at LSU. And, uh, with that high-flying attack right there. So he's going to be bringing that to the NFL, which would probably be a, a, a welcome sight for somebody like Tom Brady to kind of create some more passing lanes there and uh, do so with some better weapons than he's had in the past couple of years. But I think at the end of the day, I still think it's New England or it's, or it's L.A. I think Carolina might be a dark horse candidate there. You know, the allure of Christian McCaffrey – uh, it's definitely huge for a quarterback that right now is relying a lot more underneath throws and checkdowns. Um, but if, I, I think I think if we're trying to figure out what Brady's looking for here, I think it, it's the, it's a total package, right? Like he he wants to be with a Super Bowl contender. Um, I I think he and his family want to go someplace that is you know fun for them and their kids to to live in. Uh, probably better weather. He's he's originally from Southern California, so uh, the Los Angeles move makes sense. There's a lot of uh, opportunity for Giselle out there uh, for her modeling career and uh, the different brands that she's involved in on the side. Um, it, it really just it almost makes too much sense. It's probably for all the same reasons LeBron went out to LA, right? Like it's it's kind of the mecca of um, athletes that want to be more than athletes. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does here. Um, and probably one of the biggest free agent names that we, we have had in a while and is going to, I'm guessing milk this for all it's worth. And we're going to find out much later on, closer to the start of the season where he's going to end up. Um, Cause this is, you know, Tom Brady's first, First free agency, and it's it's going to be a wild ride. 
Yeah, there's been little to no buzz about this so far, but if it gets to the point where that free agency window opens and he's still unsigned, it's going to hit a fever pitch. And all of a sudden, all these news outlets are going to finally pick up on it. And it's going to be much different than it is now. Well, and I'm curious to see, are there going to be so teams who are looking for a quarterback? There's going to be some other quarterbacks. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available this year um, in, in free agency, you know, potentially Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, a host of other names that, that are going to be out there and looking for jobs. Obviously, Tom Brady is going to lead that list. So uh, it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be, uh, you know, guys are going to, or teams are going to go after guys that are are maybe going to play a little longer, or everybody's going to wait to see where Tom Brady goes, and then you're going to see all the dominoes fall in the next 48 hours. Uh, so it, I'm, I'm curious to see. I said I, I think it's going to go a long time. It actually could go either way. It's not going to be an intermediate amount of time, I don't think. It's either going to happen right away or it's going to happen last minute. Yeah, I'm sure he's him and his agent are having some discussions right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, is this just a leverage play for the Patriots to finally get some money out of him? I don't know. We're going to find out very soon. But definitely would be one of the bigger moves in the in the NFL. And it's reminiscent of Peyton Manning moving to the Broncos. But it's very different at the same time because Manning was coming off of an, an injury and a surgery that was supposed to end his career. Um, Brady, while not the player he used to be, is still playing at a pretty high level uh, for his age. So um, players like that don't normally hit the free agent market. You know, it's, it's it's interesting. Drew Brees is also a free agent. Technically, there's no there's no buzz about him leaving. I don't think there's any possibility of him leaving. It sounds like right now he's taking a step back and trying to assess whether he wants to keep playing at all. Um, but to have two first ballot Hall of Famers, a quarterback, be available in free agency uh, this year, it's it's kind of unprecedented. Uh, one I, I'm pretty positive is not going to test the waters, but the other one. Uh, could end up being a pretty seismic shift in the AFC uh, if he does tend to or does decide to take his talents elsewhere for a couple seasons. So it's going to be really interesting to see, Derek. Tony, something else that's interesting to see is Antonio Brown. We've talked <laughs> about AB a lot on this podcast, uh, but there's some some news that's dropped over the last few days. Uh, so Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL. Uh, basically came out and said, you know, look, we want to we want to try to get A.B. the help he needs. We're not just going to go away from him. It's clear. And, I, and we've talked about this, that there, there's something more than just um, n- normal emotions, I, I would say, going with Antonio Brown. Like there seems to be some underlying major issue here um, in the mental health realm. Uh, you know, from an outsider perspective that lo- looks to be going on. I think a lot of people are seeing that. Uh, there, there was there was a couple altercations he's had recently with Hollywood, Florida police. One was the video that I think most people have seen of him yelling at the the mother of his children you know, with his children present. Uh, and then there was another issue with a moving truck uh, driver and AB refusing to pay him. And so, long story short, he ends up essentially stealing the moving truck him him and his uh trainer i believe so a lot of a lot of weird stuff going on and he went after the hollywood police department <clears throat> and two weeks after the incident has apologized 
To everyone who I may have offended or disrespected at the Hollywood Police Department, I would like to sincerely give you all my apology from the top and bottom of my heart. And as a human being and professional athlete, I can honestly say that my emotions did cloud my better judgment when you all were only there to help me. Now, Tony, this comes, like I said, two weeks after the incident. This looks like one of those social media posts that was written by somebody else. uh, And, you know, tomorrow he's going to come out and with another rant or something like that? Or, or do you think this is this is the beginning of a different type of Antonio Brown than we've seen in, in the recent months? Not a chance, unfortunately. I, we've, we've seen this balancing act happen too much this season uh, where he goes on this rant or multiple rants. Um, his uh, the, the person running his PR for him decides, you know, we need to issue an apology out there. They throw out something on social media that is very clearly not written by him. Um, and then two days later, he's back to doing what he was doing before. So, and I, I just saw this morning, he's, he's issuing an apology to the NFL through Justina Anderson. Looks like she has an interview with him. That's, uh, I'm not sure when that's going to drop. I'm assuming for the, the full thing is probably going to drop in a couple of days when, uh, you know, the Super Bowl's over and, uh, some of this Kobe news is in the, in the rear view mirror, but, um, uh, you know, he, he does this from time to time. They can finally reel him in for a day and make him realize, hey, you know, you got to knock this off and uh, you need to apologize. You need to show people that you're willing to change. And he does it for a day. And in the very next day, he's back to um, going on rants, uh, you know, harassing people. It's 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 definitely definitely an issue. It's definitely something uh, mentally that seems to be off with him right now. I'm not sure. And we, we've talked in the past, you know, was it, was this always present when he was in Pittsburgh? Uh, if so, Tomlin deserves uh, lots of awards uh, for keeping that in check the entire time. But, you know, I don't I don't know if it ever declared itself uh, with this much magnitude when he was in Pittsburgh or if it's just something that has just gotten way worse in the last couple of years. But right now you need to take that prospect of him playing in the NFL again uh, just take that off the table and put that in a box in the corner right now because that that's not even on the table. Um, you know, Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, has gotten rid of him contingently uh, based on you know the, he needs to get help before I can help him at all at this point. And you know the number of people that are starting to take that stance with him in his life, uh, it really needs to take hold to him. He really needs to seek uh, you know professional help, medical help. Uh, Something's really off there. It's completely derailed his career. And I think at this point, uh, you know, the way he spends money, the way he lives, you're, you're going to be hearing about this guy going broke here in the next couple of years. Even with all the money that he's made, you know, he very clearly does not have the discipline to save or, or uh, build anything for the future for himself. You know, his, his attempts to get back in the league are not going to stop here. Um, just a, it, it's almost just sad to look back on now. You, you go back to last offseason, and we were laughing about most of this. Like, this this guy is ridiculous. This stuff, like, it, it's almost like a comedy show. And now, a year later, uh, it's just become a tragedy. Yeah, and to your point about the Steelers, so uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has been out here on Radio Row here in Miami, Florida. Uh, and th- he's been asked, you know, obviously a lot about Antonio Brown. 
And, you know, what was what was it like in the locker room in that wide receiver room uh, with the Steelers? And, and Juju was like, like, this all came out of nowhere, essentially, that, you know, he was supportive, that, you know, even though they were playing the same position, they were, you know, quote unquote, fighting for for touches that they were they were supportive of each other. And it's, you know, how can we help each other to each become great and therefore, you know, the, the team great? And that when AB went after Juju after his injury, that it really kind of came out of left field and, and he was really, really hurt by it. And then, you know, yesterday, AB posts on his Instagram a picture with him, uh, Juju and, and another Steeler player potentially. I don't know what the exact situation was, but it looks like celebrating uh, something. They're, they're all kneeling. Juju has the ball and, and you can tell the jerseys are dirty. So in uh, the the caption here it's it's about inspiring the culture it's all love it's it's just it, it's weird he's he's going after people and then you know oh no it's just, it's just it's just love it's just respect it's just this but it, uh juju kind of saying the same thing a lot of other folks are saying you know he's he's concerned about him and you know put him putting him on blast aside like you know at the end of the day like i think everybody just wants him to get get the help that he so clearly needs but the problem is, is that until AB realizes he needs help or enough of his inner circle force him to get help, it's probably not going to happen. And I agree with you. I think I think this ends tragically um, with with him, you know, losing all of his money, potentially living out on the street, um, you know, not not to pivot away from it. But there was uh, the posts about Delonte or was it Delonte West? Yeah, Delonte West. Yep. You know, Delonte West. Uh, with, with clearly the the mental health issues he has living on the street, and uh, you know what a what a sad sad story that that's become. And I, I just I have I, as soon as I saw that, I, my mind immediately went to like, is this AB's future? And the more you see it, the more I'm thinking like, yeah, that's probably without some major intervention, that's probably going to be Antonio Brown in the near future. Yeah, he just he has nobody in his inner circle that will keep him on track. Everybody's a yes man. Everybody just enables his behavior or really feeds off of it. Um, you know, he's kind of the ringleader there, and they are around him for the great time. But no, there's nobody in his life that uh, really has a voice in his life that can kind of grab him and you know make him realize what he's doing to himself here and make him realize that you know he really needs to seek some professional help. Um, so I, I, I don't think coming into this next season when we start looking at our, our fantasy squads and start looking at the decisions some of our owners are going to be making, I don't think we're going to be talking about uh, you know Antonio Brown possibly being drafted the way we were last year. Uh, I, I think hopefully some of this goes away. and He keeps himself some help here, um, which it seemed like um, you know, most of him being let out of uh, – out of that the legal situation he was in was based on him getting help so hopefully he he takes that seriously and actually gets some because uh you know there's gonna be a 30 for 30 on uh on antonio brown's life coming up here in the next couple years and you would really like the ending of it to not be depressing all right tony let's shift directions here and talk about joe burrow uh, everybody's talking about Joe Burrow as likely being the number one pick in this next draft. I agree with it. Uh, he was saying recently that 
he says, you know, obviously going number one is is really cool, but going to a franchise that is committed to winning is also something he's looking at doing um, and, and, and finds very valuable. And it feels just kind of like generic speak. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, and then what I didn't realize was that Carson Palmer earlier this week came out publicly and said that the reason he wanted out of Cincinnati when he did was because he didn't feel like the organization was trying to win a Super Bowl or even chase a Super Bowl. And now all of a sudden those Joe Burrow comments take on a whole new light. Um, so is this is this an Eli Manning situation where he is going to refuse to play for the Chargers? Or is this just, hey, if you draft me, I'm committed to winning a Super Bowl, and you need to be also. Yeah, I don't know on this one. It's uh, it, it would really set him up to play the the massive villain role if he spurned Cincinnati when he's from Ohio. <laughs> so that that's something that's kind of in the in the background here. That would be a storyline if if he decides he wants to do this. You know, Cincinnati has long had this reputation of being you know not a very well-run organization a very cheap organization you know uh, a lot of the luxuries that are afforded to athletes in other cities are just aren't there in Cincinnati they don't have the the training rooms the equipment the 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 basic things that most teams go and splurge on for their players uh Cincinnati doesn't have because they just won't spend the money um it's interesting to hear Carson Palmer's uh, take on that that they weren't looking to win a Super Bowl. You know, they were they had a couple playoff runs in them there, but they were never able to really get over the hump. And obviously, that culminated with uh, Palmer getting injured in that playoff game against Pittsburgh uh, with the 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 low hit on him that uh, looked looked like it was dirty at the time. But um, you know, this is a team that really was never able to get over the hump despite having really, really good talent over the past couple of years. So it definitely makes you question some. I'm just not sure if I could see a guy from Ohio uh, telling the Ohio team, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, this is kind of reminiscent of a couple of years ago, the Baker Mayfield draft when Josh Rosen said this exact same thing. Cause like all the, all four quarterbacks at that point, it was, Baker, Darnold, Rosen, and Josh Allen were all kind of in discussion to go number one overall to Cleveland. And uh, Rosen was the one who said, you know, it's not so much where I'm drafted. I want to go to the to the right place. And it was kind of a shot at the Cleveland organization there. And it, it that one didn't play out very well for Josh Rosen. He ended up going to the Cardinals, which were a worse organization for that period of time that, that year. Uh, they threw him to the Wolves there. Uh, he ends up getting replaced in the very next draft by another quarterback and is sent to Miami uh, where he gets his, his brains beat in there as well. Um, so it, it, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if Burrow does go that route. You know, it, it has paid off for some quarterbacks in the past. Eli Manning, uh, well, I'm not sure he, either quarterback really lost in that one, Manning or Rivers, but, you know, John Elway infamously refused to go to the Colts organization, ends up going to the Broncos and having a great career there. So um, we haven't seen a quarterback do this in a while. Uh, I'm not sure that Burrow would play that card when he's from Ohio. It just it seems like uh, the, the story's just too well written for him to go to a team in your own home state 
to try and win them a championship. But I think he's going to get sucked into that. I don't know. Where, where do you stand on it? I don't know that much about Joe Burrow. Uh, I really, I think like most of the nation, you know, at least most of, of the northeastern part of the country, really learned a lot more about Joe Burrow leading up to the national championship game. Uh, the the Ohio thing, all of that, it, it's kind of that that fairy tale uh, piece of it, and so uh, that's a real thing, though. You know, he's in his Heisman acceptance speech, he's talking about growing up in Athens and the help that they need, and that was well documented. Uh, the the food pantry there, the, how much uh, donations they received based off of what he was doing. So he clearly has those strong roots back to Ohio. But at the end of the day, you know, do you do you make the business decision that Cincinnati isn't going to be it? It's it's not a well-run organization for all the reasons you mentioned. You know, Andy Dalton couldn't really find much success here. Carson Palmer couldn't find much success there, even though they, they were able to kind of overcome everything and get to Super Bowl or I'm sorry, get to playoff games. That really is is it. Right. Like if Cincinnati makes it to the playoffs, that's their Super Bowl. And then the next year, they're not really going to build anything up to try to do it again. It's almost by by happenstance that they got there. So it's what the big motivating factors are for Joe Burrow. I would say if you are looking for a real long term career, it might be worth looking outside of Cincinnati. If you want success, if winning a championship is your dream, is your drive, and I know we say it is for a lot of folks, but I think we recognize that that those who that's a real thing for work a lot harder than those who are just happy to be there. Um, but you're talking about a guy who won the Heisman, who won the national championship, and now is going to go to the worst team in the NFL, which, which is a lot of times how this goes, and I get that, but... I think you recognize here when you're as good as Joe Burrow is, you have some leverage in this. And if you're telling some teams out there like, hey, I'm not going to go to Cincy, like work, work something out with them to where, uh, you know, I don't have to go there. I'm going to come to you guys instead. You know, is, is that something you look at if you're a team that maybe has a lot of pieces, you're in a rebuilding mode, but but you do have real Super Bowl aspirations in the next five years. Yeah, so if you're Joe Burrow and you're you're going to play the card of, I'm not going to play for Cincinnati, I refuse, you know, who was the target then? Because, um, you know, the, the Dolphins have a ton of ammo up there. They're the ones that could conceivably easily move up into that number one spot if they give up all, all their other first-round picks to move up. You know, is Miami a better run organization? Like, I don't, I don't know about that. They're, they're kind of committed to this rebuild, which is all well and good, but they haven't exactly run their organization the best in the last decade plus. Um, obviously, being able to go live in Miami is different than being able to go live in Ohio uh, for your playing playing career. Um, I, I think the targets are going to be two that we've already talked about in the Brady discussion. It's going to be the Chargers and it's going to be the Panthers. They're both, both sitting there in the top ten. Uh, the Panthers especially would be enticing because they offensive coordinator that Burrow worked with at LSU. Uh, I'm just not sure that either of those teams have the ammunition to move up that high or would want to move up that high. 
Um, they're both going to be in the market for quarterbacks, but you know, what's the cost going to be to move up all that way? You know, the cost to move up to get uh, RG three back in the day was three first round picks, and that move wasn't as as high as this is going to be with uh, with the Chargers sitting, I believe, six, and the Panthers sitting at seven. You know, it's going to take some considerable draft ammo to move up that high, which is why, to me, the really the only option is Miami as far as a team that would be able to pull that off. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure it's a better option than Cincinnati is. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have an idea of another team that you think would be a fit and would have the amount of draft capital, capital needed to make that move? No, honestly, I'm with you. I think Miami's the only one that makes sense. And I, 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 again, I'm with you that I'm not sure Miami is a better situation, but I think it is a better situation because of, if nothing else, it's just a better place to play. You're dealing with the AFC East, who has generally been dominated by the Patriots, but you're also seeing, you know, depending on what happens here with Tom Brady, depending on what happens with, with some of these defensive pieces, you know, is this the beginning of the end of the Patriots? Obviously, way too early to know that based off of one season where they, they still got into the playoffs. Uh, but it's it's an interesting piece because the AFC East is somewhat winnable. Obviously, the Bills are making a big push, but the Jets are don't really seem any closer to doing anything. So your road to the, to the playoffs seemed to be a little bit easier than going up against Baltimore, uh, you know, twice a year and, and having to compete against them. And the Steelers, you know, they're not going to be down for very long. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. You know, it's definitely an advantage to get out of the AFC North there because, um, you know, the, the Ravens, a great team with a great young quarterback, and they aren't going to be going anywhere for a while. The Steelers have one of the toughest defenses in the league. It's going to be chasing you around there. Uh, Cincinnati's offensive line is not very good. And then in Cleveland, you have Miles Garrett, who's going to be very well motivated coming back next season. He's one of the best pass rushers in the game who's going to be coming to hunt you down. Um, you don't really have the same defensive players in the AFC East that you do in the AFC North. And uh, if, if Brady does leave New England, that leaves a void in New England. You know, I'm sure they're still going to be good because Belichick's going to figure out ways to win games, but they're not going to be the dominant force that they are right now. Uh the Jets have a very good young quarterback with Darnold, but they have one of the worst coaches in the game, Adam Gase, who's going to continue to hold that team back. And, and the Bills are, you know, they're they're kind of the, the Bills. They're uh, good enough to win a lot of games that they're supposed to win, but not really. I'm not sure Josh Allen is good enough to win games that, you know, they're overmatched in. So, that wouldn't be a bad place for him to land. You know, the organization hasn't been real, real well run in the past, but uh, if they really trust Brian Flores to, to move this thing forward, he looked really good in his first year there. They were supposed to be tanking. They ended up winning five games uh, just because of how hard he had them playing. Um, you, you put him in a situation where he could go learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick for you know half a season. Maybe at the end of the day, Miami will get out of their own way long enough to make something like that work. And maybe their three first round picks, uh, maybe some future draft capital as well is enough to to get that job done for what the Bengals need. Because the Bengals aren't going to just give away that pick. Um, so 
it'd be very interesting to see if he does play that card because it's been just so long since we've seen anybody do it. Well, and I wonder too, because he didn't come out and say I won't play for Cincinnati, and, and his dad came out and said that he would like he would play, right? But yeah. he, he's he's throwing this out there. It almost seems to me it's a like a sidestep of like, listen, like I'm gonna put enough fear in you that I'm not gonna sign. Because here's the thing. Okay, let's say Joe Burrow doesn't sign and he goes back in the draft next year. You know he's gonna do elite training at LSU. Like he, he's gonna come out and still probably be damn near the top, right? Now you're gonna have Trevor Lawrence, you're gonna have some of these other guys coming out next year too. But to me, this almost looks like a uh, hey, Cincinnati. Uh, I'm going to give you just enough of a scare that I'm not going to sign that maybe you take Tua. And then Washington with Ron Rivera can grab me. He's not coming out saying I'm not going to play. He's not coming out saying I'm not going to sign. He's not taking the strong Eli Manning stance. But, you know, hey, that that might happen. I'm not telling you it's not going to happen. I'm not coming out saying, like, oh, I'm just looking for a chance to play in the NFL. Like, no, no, no. I want to win. So you can avoid all of that by taking Tua, and then I, Joe Burrow, end up in a much better situation with Ron Rivera in Washington. Yeah, I'm not sure Ron Rivera and Washington are going to end up taking a QB back-to-back years like Aaron did taking Haskins last year, uh, especially the owner was the one who was in there uh, trying to get Haskins and that deal. Jay Gruden didn't agree with it at the time. Um, so I, I, I think I think the Bengals passing on Burrow is probably one of the least likely scenarios. I think at, at some point, you know, if if it really comes out that Burrow doesn't want to work or want, doesn't want to play in Cincy and uh, you know, we're it's still really early in the off season, so if he does make that demand, it would it would happen probably in the next month or so. Um, eventually, they're gonna they're gonna hold the pick, uh, hold hold a trade off for that pick just to try to get as much as they possibly can for it. Uh, there's some some other quarterbacks that are in the top ten. Um, they each have their question marks. You know, Tua is far from a perfect perfect. Uh, prospect there especially with his injury history uh, Justin Herbert they got the coach at the senior bowl this past week uh, looked really impressive there but he has had some some issues with his decision making in, in uh, at Oregon so you know there's this quarterback class is really it's Joe Burrow and then it's like dot 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 and then you get to Tua you get to Herbert you get to Jordan Love you get to the other guys there uh, but Burrow, to me, is is hands down the prize of it. So I have a hard time seeing Cincinnati just being okay with you know, we're just going to pass on him and take somebody somebody else here. You know, even if even if what they're getting for for the pick isn't the three first round picks that they would want. You know, anything is more than nothing at that point if it lets you get uh, your your second highest rated quarterback on the board. So. Uh, Going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I'm not super convinced that Burrow's going to take that stance. I think maybe a lot of this is trying to put some pressure on Cincy to bolster their offensive line a little bit in free agency this year to see what they do to get ready for him coming. Like Cincinnati's not devoid of talent. Um, I, I think they plug Joe Burrow in there and plug some of their other holes that are here. Uh, they can 
be back to winning games pretty quickly. And you're going to find out what they have in Zach Taylor and head coach uh, very fast here next year. I, I don't think Cincinnati is the typical um, the typical team that's usually at the top of the draft that you see there every single year like they were when we were kids. When we were kids, Cincinnati was a fixture in the top five of the draft. They haven't been that for a while. Are they the best run organization? No, but they, they're fairly consistently um, – you know, not one of the 10 worst teams in the league. So before we get to the big game here, Derek, let me piggyback off this Joe Burrow discussion real quick to, to plug a, an episode of the podcast is coming up next week. Um, we're kicking you to the curb. I'm going to take the lead on this one. It's going to be a draft special Uh coach of the capital expenditures charlie thurber is going to join me uh we're putting together some pretty good stuff here we're going to have a three episode draft preview uh one a month leading into april's draft here uh you need some fantasy nuggets for next year or maybe you know you, you want to educate yourself on the on the upcoming prospects in the draft and who your team might be drafting but you don't really want to devote the amount of time to go through every mock draft out there you know allow us to, to walk through some of these players a little bit and see what are our thoughts on on them are. We're going to go over offensive players next week in episode one. We're going to go over some defensive ones in March's edition and then culminate it all in April with our own uh, mock draft that we, we walk through. So if, if you're interested in, uh, in listening to you know where your team might be headed in the next couple months and where the future of your franchise might be going, you know, listen in to next week's podcast. It's going to be myself, Charlie Thurber. We're talking draft. All right, Tony, we've talked about the teams that are going to be drafting first, but let's talk about the teams that are going to be drafting last. And those are the teams playing in the Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Tony, I'm excited for tomorrow's game. But I got to tell you, this does not have the same buzz that the past Super Bowls have had. We talked earlier about the Kobe Bryant effect. Uh, do you think that's it, or do you think it's something else here? I think the biggest piece of it is the Kobe Bryant aspect of it. I think that really stole a lot of the spotlight that would have been uh, talked about with the Super Bowl this week. You know, there was, a, there was a Super Bowl media day that happened this week that we literally heard nothing about. I, I heard nothing from it, uh, which is very rare for this. So I, I think the Kobe effect played a major role here. But I think on the other hand, you know, neither of these teams are really hated. I, I saw a tweet earlier in the week mentioning that this is the most likable Super Bowl ever. Like nobody really hates the Chiefs or the Niners. Um that, that really hurts the buildup for it a little bit from an NFL standpoint. They like to be able to feed on that that villain aspect that teams like the Patriots were able to, to throw in there on a year-after-year year basis. Um, you know, this year you don't have any of the real major markets out there. You know, there's no, there's no New York or Boston or Philly or anything like that. You have Kansas City in the middle of the country with great fan base, but not a massive media market. And you have San Francisco, which, you know, the, the Silicon Valley team, you know, a lot of that just doesn't play well for building up your Super Bowl. But quietly, I think this might be one of our better Super Bowl matchups we've had in the last decade. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, I think... I think the the last three seasons, so this is the first Super Bowl without the Patriots since the 2015 season, so the 2016 Super Bowl. 
you always had that giant storyline of the Patriots and are they the best franchise in the history of the NFL? And what does this mean? Is this Tom Brady's last year? If they go, you had all those storylines every Super Bowl for the last three. And even before that, you had a lot. I'm with you. I think the Kobe Bryant thing is big, uh, but th- this is a super likable Super Bowl. And that, that doesn't necessarily bode well um, for, for us in media because Sports is about passion, right? I love this team and therefore hate this team. But when you have two teams that are so likable and and a lack of major storyline, it the, the basically the big storylines I I feel are is Patrick Mahomes going to be great all time or is he going to be like regular season great? And can Andy Reid finally overcome the uh you know the the lack of super bowls versus kyle shanahan and and that that team with with the run game and, and everything they've been able to do uh can, can they can they overcome all of that but i, I feel like most people are going to root chiefs for the andy reed aspect of it uh, at least i know i am but it, it's been a Kind of a weird build-up to the Super Bowl. Like you said, media day, which is usually one of my favorite days because you get all the, the fun, weird questions and all that, wasn't discussed at all because the, the tribute to Kobe was kind of happening on Friday there. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting lead-up here. And, uh, you know, just getting into the two teams that are here, you know, I think you could probably make a very strong case that, you know, these are two of the most complete teams in the league and have been for most of the season. I think for a lot of the year, we were trying to determine, you know, the Niners for real. Us, us here in Cleveland got to see them dismantle our Browns on Monday night football for the entire nation to see earlier in the year. But, you know, what, what teams are early in the season isn't always what they end up being at the end of the day. But, you know, you get to the playoffs, they end up going 13-3, and three, and they look downright dominant in the playoffs. And then the Chiefs kind of went through their lull in the middle of the season. Then all of a sudden, their defense turns it on. Uh, Patrick Mahomes comes back healthy. And, uh, you know, they're just scoring touchdowns at will once you get into the playoffs. So I I think this is really the best matchup we could have hoped for here. Because I think, you know, some of the other teams that were out there, the Patriots, you know, we're used to them being in the championship, but this really was not the best version of the Patriots this year. If you had them going against the Niners, it was going to be the storyline was going to be, can the Patriots score enough points to keep up with them against a defense like that? You know, there's, there's no real doubt as to whether uh, the chiefs can put up some points, even against a great defense. And I don't think there's much doubt that the Niners can put up some points here. So, uh, if, if you're a better, I think you have to like the over. The, the over-under set at 54 here. I think you have to like the over here. It's not going to be like last year's Super Bowl where, you know, if, if you if you get squeeze any offense out of that game, it, it was probably going to end up, you know, with that team winning the game. I think this is going to be a lot more like that Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl from a couple years ago. I don't know. Where, where do you think it is? I'm with you on that. You know, the 49ers defense is is incredible. They're second best defense in the NFL. And that front four is just unstoppable led there by Bosa like by Bosa. But the Chiefs offense is ridiculous. And I think what makes these teams such a good matchup is the fact that they don't actually match up. And and so it's gonna be based like you know what we're gonna do. 
you have to try to stop us. And neither team is really equipped to do that. So you look at um, the 49ers, right? That defense, they play zone defense, second highest amount, 64% of plays, second highest in the NFL, and limit quarterbacks to uh, to 4.7 yards per drop back when using that zone defense. But you know who's the best quarterback in the NFL against that zone defense? That's Patrick Mahomes with a 91 total QBR versus zone coverage. So you have a team that is really good at zone against a quarterback who's really good at zone. Um, so that that matchup is going to be very interesting to see. The 49ers lead the NFC in rushing yards. The, a- the Chiefs lead the AFC in passing yards. So again, the- these offenses and defenses look a little different. Um, that Mahomes versus 49ers defense, I think, is the most intriguing matchup. And then it's going to basically be what can the Niners do against the Chiefs defense and who gives more? Yeah, it's a clash of styles here uh, with the Chiefs looking to throw the ball all around the deck and the Niners being a lot more balanced attack, which, you know, in the in the NFC Championship game against the Packers, Jimmy G threw the ball eight times. That was all they needed to do. And they were able to dis- dismantle the Packers defense just running the football. And I, I, traditionally, the Chiefs have struggled to stop the run. So I, I think it's going to be a, a really cool clash of styles here, but two teams that can really put points on the board and two defenses that are playing really well. The Niners obviously have been the top one all year, but the Chiefs have been playing good defense down the stretch. Um, I think I, I just think we're super fortunate to get this Super Bowl because you know the, the line on the game is Chiefs uh, with one and a half point favorites. It's it's really really tight. Probably one of the tightest lines I've seen in the Super Bowl in a long time. Um, I, I think you're going to have interesting cases on both sides as to why people think either team's going to win. But I think I think the winners at the end of the day is going to be us. Uh, we we finally get. Uh, a game after after this past Super Bowl, which was a complete dud to watch. I think we're going to see some fireworks here, and I think we're going to see some really good football. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of nice. You know, I'm not a fan of either team, and like I said, I'm an Andy Reid guy. But at the end of the day, it, it's not going to really affect me all that much if he does or doesn't win a Super Bowl. So I, I have no rooting interest in this for in kind of in the first Super Bowl in a while. So it's really, you know, it's funny as we watch various sporting events, Laura will ask me, you know, like, are you rooting for somebody or are we just rooting for football? Are we just rooting for hockey? Uh, and in this, in this case, I'm just rooting for football. Like, I just want to see a really good game that, that matches up, you know, a great zone quarterback versus a great zone defense that matches up a great running game versus a poor running defense and just see basically who makes less mistakes And I want to see that high-flying offense. I want to see all of that. The weather doesn't look like it's going to be much of a factor. It's going to be dry. There are going to be some wind gusts. Uh, So what does that do? The passing game, we'll see. But it's basically going to be these two teams coming out here. You know what each one's going to do. You know Kansas City is going to pass the ball a ton. You know Pat Mahomes is going to be running the ball, running away from that front four. And you know the 49ers are going to be looking to be that run-heavy offense, especially against that Chiefs defense. And it's basically who can impose their will on the other team more. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really have a lean on this one as far as who I'm rooting for. A lot of times when I go into games like that, I end up, I find myself rooting for somebody during the game who I, I didn't know who I'd be rooting for. Uh, that'll probably happen here, but you know, there's not, not much to hate from either team. I, San Fran, we kind of had the Youngstown connection there to San Fran, so they kind of, you know, hold a a little spot in all of our hearts if we're from Youngstown, Ohio. And Kansas City, you know, you'd love to see Andy Reid finally get over the top, especially um, my connection is to Philadelphia. He was always so close there. It'd be nice to see him get over the hump. Um, But it's it's just going to be awesome to sit back and watch two of the best offensive minds in the game. and, and with with a lot of good assistance in this game too, you know Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs has been a head coaching candidate the last couple of years. Robert Sala uh, from the Niners was a finalist for the Browns job. You know, there's a lot of good coaches in this game. There's a lot of good players. Both teams are healthy. I just saw the injury report come out today. There's not a name on either of them. Um, so both teams are about as healthy as you can possibly be going into this biggest game of the year. Uh, I think we're going to get a real treat here and you know if we only get one more game for the rest of the year i think this is going to be one worth going out on so uh we'd be ready to do some picks here or what let's do it tony i'll let you start who wins all right i will take the honors i am going to go with the underdogs here i'm going to go with the 49ers i think they're just more formidable on both lines of scrimmage and typically when you get in games like this uh, that tends to matter at the end of the day you know, I, I think we talk about these two teams being two of the more complete teams out there, but I think the Niners are the most complete team in the league. Just all around, they can throw the ball, they can run the ball, they can stop the run, they can play great defense, they can get after the passer. They don't have many weaknesses there, but they don't have the Patrick Mahomes factor. So that's going to be the real game within the game. You know, does uh, the superstar quarterback have what it takes to overcome? Uh, you know, a great defense, but also a team that can really put points on you as well. I just think the the issue you have here with the Chiefs is that they have really all season had a tendency to start games extremely slow. You, you really saw that culminate here in the playoffs. They get in that game against Houston. They go down oh, 24 nothing, I believe it was, to start the game. And they did the same exact thing the next week against Tennessee, going down 17-7 early. Now, the Texans, they're, they're a defense-questionable organization. The Titans don't really have have the dogs to keep you down there um, on either side of the ball. The Titans kind of maxed out their potential for this year. I think if the Chiefs start slow here against the Niners, I think they're going to have a really hard time turning the faucet off uh, defensively, stopping the Niners from putting more points on the board because of, of the way Shanahan calls a game and his ability to keep defenses on their heels Uh, I don't think the Niners are going to stop scoring points. The Chiefs are going to have to score with them. And, you know, if if the Chiefs start slow and Andy Reid does tend to have some issues in big games, um, it's kind of been his calling card throughout the years. I think not not so much that they can't catch up. I think that uh, they're going to find themselves uh, really chasing the game from that point. And I think the Niners have enough enough there on both sides of the ball to, to make that a lot more difficult than the other teams I have in the past. So I'm, I'm taking the Niners. I'm going to take them for going for a score prediction here. I'm going to go 34-30 Niners. So that'll give you the Niners plus one and a half and take the over. What about you, Derek? 
The idea you brought up that if the Chiefs get into a hole, can they can they overcome it? And obviously, we saw that they could in the last two games. The thing that makes me feel that if that situation does happen for a third week in a row that they can is I watched that Green Bay Packers 49ers game last week or is two weeks ago. And the Niners come out and they're they're going into halftime winning 27 nothing. And in the second half, they gave up 20 points while only scoring 10. And when that was a two score game, they were able to get that that field goal in the fourth quarter. But the 49ers let their foot off the gas. And if you do that against the Chiefs, you're going to lose. The Chiefs are a lot better than the Packers were. I think in that same situation, going in 27 nothing, and Kyle Shanahan in group, in group lead lets their foot off the gas in the second half, the Chiefs come back and win that game. So that's the one thing for me that, that I'm not really sure how it goes. But I, the 49ers, if they get a lead, cannot get comfortable in that lead because Andy Reid will adjust, Patrick Mahomes will adjust, and they will dominate that game, as we saw they could do the last two weeks. At the end of the day, the Chiefs feel like a team that are just that are destined to be something great this year, and, and they have been. And everything that they've done has been has been incredible. And Patrick Mahomes puts that team on his back. They have so many weapons offensively that I don't know as a defense how you cover them all. And clearly, most teams weren't able to figure that out. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt halfway through the year. Uh, with what looks like it should be a season ender and misses two games, comes back and has an amazing week 10. Uh, so I just, I don't, I don't think you can fully stop the chiefs. You basically have to out offense the chiefs. And I'm not sure relying pretty much, pretty much exclusively on the running game is going to do that. The chiefs don't make mistakes. Patrick Mahomes only has five interceptions on the year. I don't, think this is the game that he has a bunch of picks uh, on the other side you know Garoppolo 13 not a bad number but but certainly a lot more and you know you figure in some of these games they've just let the running game just go nuts uh, but Tevin Coleman's back and he is going to you know combine with Mostert there and it, it's it's gonna be it's going to be a really, really cool game. But at the end of the day, I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm going for Andy Reid. I'm rooting for Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be our like this generation's version of Tom Brady, of Peyton Manning, where he's just going to be dominant, and it's going to be Patrick Mahomes versus uh, Lamar Jackson. That's going to be the big rivalry for the next maybe 10 years, hopefully, if those two guys can stay healthy and stay relevant. Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch, but I think this is where Patrick Mahomes makes his statement to say, listen, I belong in that elite conversation, not just during the regular season, but in the postseason. So I'm going to go with Chiefs over Niners. I'm going to go uh, 27-20 Chiefs uh, for, for, my, for my score there, Tony. Taking the under, I see. Yes. Nice. Well, I, th- I think we can all agree that uh, no matter who wins here, Joe Montana's team's going to win. So uh, <laughs> he's going to be feeling really good. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he posted something on social media about that. That you know he's just he's rooting for his team, and 
Yeah, but I got to imagine. I mean, Joe Montana, right? I mean, that's a he's got to be going 49ers. I know he played for the Chiefs, but he's got to be going 49ers, right? Definitely. I mean, he won everything with with the Niners. It was just at the end of his career, he went to the Chiefs and put together a couple good seasons. But I, I have to think, you know, if, if we're trying to determine who's number one on his depth chart, you know, and, you know who's who's with him on the bust in the Hall of Fame, it's it's the Niners. It's not the Chiefs. So. Uh, He's got to play the politically correct thing on Twitter and go with both teams, but I'm sure that's not actually where his rooting interest is. I'm curious to see how Joe Montana uh, dresses for the Super Bowl. My guess is he's wearing red. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably a safe bet. Well, thank you for joining us on this frosty live tour stop in Miami, Florida on Radio Row. We are... On behalf of the Fortune 500 League, I'm your host, Derek Frost. He's Tony Perenni. Our overworked and underpaid interns are Dave Peschian and Vince Gorgonzola. Be sure to catch us on our next stop over there in Arizona, where we will be enjoying the warm weather as Tony and Charlie Thurber start breaking down the draft for you, those, uh, those early predictions. As always, it's been our honor. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next time.